Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. I absolutely love Babbel because their courses help me learn real-life conversational skills. It's so easy to learn how to order food, ask for directions, speak to the locals without having to consult language apps. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time offer for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners, at babbel.com SPP. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com SPP. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com SPP. Rules and restrictions may apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This week's episode is brought to you by FreshBooks. FreshBooks is excited to announce the launch of an all-new version of their cloud accounting software to help the self-employed. Create and send professional-looking invoices in less than 30 seconds. Set up online payments with just a couple of clicks and get paid up to four times faster. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial at freshbooks.com sp and enter Smart People Podcast in the How Did You Hear About Us section. That's freshbooks.com slash SP. The podcast where we talk to smart people, but not necessarily done by smart people. That is an awesome question. This one goes down probably on one of my top five. Hey, I like nutrition. I like to eat food. This is the coolest thing ever. We're going to do this forever. I wish I paid more attention in that class. You know, I'm going to be honest, I don't understand that. As a man, I just, I don't get it. Welcome to smartpeoplepodcast.com. Hello and welcome to Smart People Podcast, conversations that satisfy your curious mind. Thanks so much for joining us today. This is Chris, as usual. So we're excited to have you tune in today got a great topic and a really fantastic guest on the show. This week, we're speaking with W. Keith Campbell, and he goes by Keith, in case you're confused. But you know what we're talking about? We're talking about narcissism. And I think we've all kind of, at one point or another, you know, heard the term or called somebody a narcissist, maybe more as a derogatory way to describe somebody who's selfish or egotistical. But have you ever really thought more about the definition of narcissism and even more than that, the impact it has on our society? So Keith is an expert on narcissism. He's one of the leading experts on the subject. He is the department head and professor of psychology at the University of Georgia. He's the co-author of the book, The Narcissism Epidemic, Living in the Age of Entitlement, He's got a great TED Talk on the psychology of narcissism, and he often speaks about the rise of narcissism and individualism more generally and what it's doing to society. One of the things I really wanted to ask Keith was this thing, and we talk about it in the episode, so I won't go into it much, but you might be feeling this way. And, and if you are, I want you to just listen and let us know what you think. You know, many people that listen to this show are creatives. And we build things and we want to put our message out into the world. And we want our art to be seen or read or heard or whatever it might be. And I love it and I respect it. Obviously, I'm kind of one of them. But I've always had this issue of promoting myself. John and I both feel this way. I know many entrepreneurs who feel this way. We don't 
want to. We don't necessarily feel like we're that special. So who am I to put something into the world, etc.? And so I'm asking, Keith, how do we contend with those that have so much belief in themselves and so much confidence that they just will tell everyone about it? They don't think twice. They sell themselves. They continually push for their own agenda. And oftentimes, these people, these narcissists, are the ones that end up making it. They end up running companies because they've been willing to step on everyone along the way and up the ladder. So I felt like that was really an interesting part of the conversation that we get into. And I just wanted to let you know in case that's how you feel. That's just the tip of the iceberg. So we're going to turn it on over to Keith here. Remember, we are at smartpeoplepodcast.com. Don't forget that Amazon link, by the way. If you like the show and you want to support us somehow, just use smartpeoplepodcast.com slash Amazon and we get a kickback. No cost to you. I know John tells you that a lot at the end, but I felt like it was a good place for me to put it in there. All right. I hope you enjoy this. I hope you learn something new and I hope you tell a friend, colleague, or coworker. So kick back, enjoy this conversation with W. Keith Campbell as we talk about the rise of narcissism in our culture and what we can do about it. All right, Keith. Well, first, I want to say thanks so much for taking the time to be on the show. I'm glad we finally got to connect. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. You were in the eye of, well, not the eye, but you were in no. part of the eye of the storm. <laughs> <laughs> I like. I think we were we were in the the edge of the storm, and it was so bad here. I have nothing but sympathy for people who really got hit by it. I know it. I know. I it mean, was pretty catastrophic. Yeah, we had, we just had you know, candles out and a game of risk. I mean, it yeah. a, you know, it's a lot better than, than what it could have been. That's uh, true. Well, I'm excited to, you know, talk with you today. I think the main topic we're going to be talking about here is narcissism. And you are one of the foremost experts on narcissism, which by the way, how do you get to that? Like what makes you go, <laughs> you know what? I really want to <laughs> learn about how people love themselves. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's, it's just a, a few things, you know, in, in, uh, in grad school, I was interested in this idea of self-enhancement, which is sort of how people make themselves look good and, and feel good, uh, inflate their, themselves. And, you know, we talked about it like this was something everybody did. And I, I ran one of the first studies in grad school and was, you know, with narcissism in the study. And it was like, oh, my God, these people are different. And I remember looking at a graph, you know, this is a study on taking credit from other people. So you kind of work with somebody close to you and then you fail and do you steal, you know, do you blame them for the failure or do you say we both kind of screwed up? And what happened was narcissists blamed their friends or their, their coworkers for failure on this study just completely. And other people were like, no, it's kind of me. It wasn't you. And I was looking at this graph and one of my friends walked in, who's a professor now at a place I won't mention, and walked in and goes, God, those guys are just dicks. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it was so, you know, it was so interesting that, that people are in this kind of very social situation. People are very different. So that, that was part of it. Um, and uh, part of it, I was always interested in these sort of more, you know, Buddhist issues of the non-self and non-attachment. I, I could never quite figure out how to get a handle on those. But but it's very easy to study the the more grandiose self. So narcissism was almost like a, you know, a, a very easy thing to study when you can't study something that's a little more interesting. <laughs> well, have you uncovered a percentage of people that would qualify as narcissists? No, it's really, you know, like what we're seeing with with most personality and almost all personality is it's it's at a, it's on a continuum. Mm. You know, we're probably designed to be somewhere in the middle. And um, but some people are at the extremes on the, you know, on the, that sort of high narcissism end. At, at some point when it becomes so extreme and really starts interfering with your life, it can be diagnosed as a personality disorder. But in terms of, you know, is there, is there a cutoff for narcissism or narcissists, excuse me, it's the same questions like, is there a cutoff for extroverts or introverts? Mm. Not really. We sort of talk about there's sort of people on the higher end and lower end of the scales. Mm. 
for those that, I mean, I think we all are familiar with narcissism, but how do you define it given all your research on it? Well, uh, the, the simple answer is it's, it's people with an inflated and grandiose, um, sense of themselves. They think they're better than other people, special. They have a high sense of entitlement, grandiosity. So that's the, that's the, that's sort of the core idea of it. Um, but it does get really complicated because there's, there's, really two things that people are talking about when they talk about narcissism. And one of these is grandiose narcissism, which are people who are sort of full of themselves and self-enhancing and self-promoting and also very extroverted, sort of social driven. They can be charming and charismatic. You know, they're the people that you see in office or you end up in bad relationships with or you work for. Um, it's it's kind of this this very out there sense of narcissism that most of us deal with in our lives. There's this other form, which is people who are sort of entitled and self-centered, but are also sort of shy and have low self-esteem and are a little introverted and you know anxious and depressed, really neurotic. And this is talked about as as vulnerable narcissism or shy narcissism or covert narcissism, but vulnerable, I think, is the word we've we've sort of adopted most. And what's really strange is all of us are dealing in a world with more grandiose narcissism unless you're in a clinical psychology practice or psychiatry practice. And then what you're seeing are these more vulnerable people who come in because the grandiose ones don't they don't need help because they're awesome. Right. The more vulnerable, yeah, the more vulnerable people need help because they're depressed because no one kind of sees how great they are secretly. And so that's there's that confusion in the literature with with grandiose and vulnerable. But most of us are talking about grandiose unless you're dealing with a, you know, a clinical practice. Or what what has happened is a lot of people try to make this work, these two definitions work by saying, well, these grandiose people deep down inside are really vulnerable. You know, sort of like Trump looks in the mirror and he sees Woody Allen staring back. Right, right. And, and that model has stuck around a long time, but it, it doesn't really seem to fit most of what we find. First, let's start with the vulnerable narcissism, because I've never heard of that. It doesn't seem very common. So could you explain no. that more? It's people who feel like they're great, but no one recognizes it. So they hide and brood about how no one yeah. recognizes it? Is that what it is? Yeah. It's a, so there's a sense of entitlement, a sense of importance. Like, you know, I'm, I'm really kind of smart. I, I deserve to be recognized. I deserve special treatment. And this is where it gets weird, but also sort of low self-esteem. So they're like, yeah, but I, I kind of don't like myself, but I'm great, but I don't really like myself. And other people don't really like me. So it's it's self-centeredness, but without the, hey, check me out feature. Um, and then a lot of anxiety and depression and neuroticism with it. So sometimes we talk about these as like basement narcissists, like, you know, living in your mom's basement, waiting to get noticed. You, If you read the manifestos of school shooters, sometimes you see this mm. vulnerability come out where like one of them, I think this was the case at Santa Barbara, where he said, you know, I'm going to show people who the real alpha male is. Dude, stop. But mm -hmm. but but it's this it's something and you don't see it because it's very hard to detect when you talk to people. What you might sense is this person seems a little a little depressed, a little maybe a little callous, but kind of depressed. And you in clinical settings, what happens is people sort of work on the depression and underneath it they're like, Oh my God, this person's not just depressed. They think they're awesome. And the problem of the world is no one recognizes how awesome they are. Oh. I guess you're right. When you explain it, I have heard it. It just doesn't get nearly the you know, recognition, especially with, as we're going to talk about, narcissism as it relates to various generations. I mean, right now, I feel like we're living in that area where uh, we hear more about the grandiose narcissism. Yeah. And that's what I mean, that's what most when you ask people what's narcissism, what they say is grandiose. Mm -hmm. uh, that's that's what you see. It's easy to detect or relatively easy to detect. You can see it on Instagram and Facebook and the the, the vulnerability is just it's just a harder thing to detect. Um, but it became important because it just for a weird quirk of history, we when we study psychopaths, people started studying them in prisons. When they started studying narcissism in, in the clinical sense, they they started studying them in in uh, clinical settings. 
which, as you can imagine, is weird because it's not where natural narcissists naturally want to end up. They end up at business schools, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's almost a weird thing, like you know, kind of like studying, you know, tigers in the zoo rather than the in the wild. It's it's kind of a, a weird way of the, historically how we started studying it. You know, you mentioned something there in passing that I think is at the core of one of the ideas I really want to discuss, which is, is it easier to be successful by societal standards if you're a narcissist? Um, narcissism is not something I would call bad. Uh, I, I don't I don't like that label. Um, I think of narcissism as is very much of a trade off, meaning it's very good for some things. It's not so good for others. And in society, especially society where you have to promote yourself to, to you know, get a job, you have to work in six or seven jobs or even careers over your life. So you're constantly uh, meeting, uh, trying to promote yourself to other careers where we date via apps. So you don't even, you know, you go to a bar and just like scroll left and right. So there's this sort of much broader mating pool. In a society like that, narcissism is going to help you a lot. It's going to help you get jobs. It's going to help you date. It's going to help you perform. Um, it's going to screw up people around you most of the time. But but there's a real pull for it in, in a lot of sort of the modern urban life. So that's that's the problem. Couldn't we just say <laughs> that? Well, here's the thing. Couldn't we just say that narcissism is our evolution to modern society? I mean and and if you're willing and able to adapt or or be that then you move up the ranks you probably make more money and you probably i, I don't know yeah it's like it, it's complicated and the the challenge and there's a lot of challenges here but it is a, an adaptive way of dealing with a modern sort of economy a consumer economy um it also being narcissistic can also bite you in the butt. It can mess you up. So you know you you can start relationships well, but it's very hard to maintain a relationship because you're sort of callous and you're cheating on your spouse or whatever. So it's hard to maintain a relationship. It's you know not great for your kids. It's it it's somebody you know you're good at starting business deals or coming into leadership positions, but when you're there you're not really all that great. Sometimes you are, sometimes you're not. You tend to be risky and self-promoting. So it can help you. And and, and the way I talk about it is that it sort of helps you in the short term or sort of in emerging terms. Like it helps for starting things, becoming a leader. It doesn't help performance that much. It's mm-hmm. really, it can be very negative for performance. That's why, I mean, I think one way to think about this is, you know, it's good to, to be able to sort of harness a little bit of your own narcissism to survive in the economy and even thrive in the modern economy. But if you start taking it too seriously, I think, or it becomes too pervasive in your life, it, it can lead to problems. Right. And I was going to ask if that would be the case as you were talking about this continuum. And and we'll get into that. One thing you mentioned, and it ties in here, is that grandiose narcissists aren't typically the type of people who are really behind the scenes insecure, as you said, right? They're not necessarily looking in the mirror, seeing somebody else. Perhaps they just don't even realize it. And what's surprising to me is how do you then differentiate between a grandiose narcissist and that person who really does just have low self-esteem and is trying to boost themselves, you know, via social media, for example? Yeah, that's a, that's actually a great question. Um, you know, we've, we've tried to look at this with, you know, this idea of do people wear masks and sort of self-promoting masks. And I think what you're seeing is that people, when they when they look at, say, social media or they look at, you know, images in your CEO profile or whatever, they can detect narcissism, but they're not perfect at it. Meaning, you know, on your Facebook you know, on your Facebook homepage, everybody kind of puts a good picture on there. They try to look good. Um, you can see the narcissism. Maybe there's a little more cleavage showing or a little more, mm-hmm. you know, it's yeah. a little more focused on the face or a little more grooming. But we're not we can't detect it perfectly. Um, it, it's it's hard to say, well, that person's narcissistic and that person's just, you know, promoting their self. You have to look across situations. You have to 
look across time. And, and even then, it's not a, we're not perfect at it by any means. Well, then what is it about narcissism that we need to know, right? Because thus far, what it sounds like is we're on this continuum. It can be good. It can be bad. Um, we can detect it. Sometimes we can't. So why even address it? Well, for me, it's just because it's interesting. But <laughs> that's, that's why, you know, you know what? That's good enough. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of why I do. It seems kind of cool. Yeah. Um, no, I think what happens is, and, and this happens a lot in relationships and a lot in hiring decisions, which are two very important things in life, is people who are narcissistic and grandiose are actually very attractive at first. And and so what you do is you buy into a relationship, let's say it's a dating relationship, you buy into it because of the confidence and charisma and you know sort of extroversion of the person. And then you go, well, this is going to be great over time. And it is great for a few weeks, maybe a month or two or a few months. But then what you end up with is this, this more callous, antagonistic part of narcissism that seems to be the thing you want to avoid. So in a relationship, you're like, hey, we've been dating a while. It's been fun. Let's get to really know each other emotionally. Well, that doesn't happen. The, you know, the person just doesn't go there. They become more controlling and manipulative or they cheat on you. So, yeah, you want to know if you're dealing with somebody who's narcissistic, if you're in a position where you're going to have to depend on the person, where you're going to have to expect some sort of trusting relationship with them, where you're going to expect some sort of emotionally close relationship. You, you, it matters because there's a big difference between somebody who can sort of be confident, but is also kind of a warm, caring person and somebody who can be confident and is a manipulative, exploitative person. Mm. And you don't want the second ones in your life. Sure. Do you think narcissism is a learned trait? You know, that's a, I, I mean, certainly specific things will be learned, specific behaviors, you know, how you take a selfie is, I mean, these are socially learned, they sort of spread. Um, but narcissism itself seems to be have a really good chunk of heritability to it, probably genetics, mm. which is what you see with all personality. You know, when you do these twin studies, a good 50% is always sort of something you're born with. Um, parenting makes a little, seems to make a little bit of a difference, but not as much as you'd think. So mm. with, with grandiose narcissism, you see, eh, my parents put me on a pedestal. They thought I was special. They, you know, they didn't set a lot of rules. They were permissive. Um, with with vulnerable narcissism, you see that much colder, um, more controlling or manipulative parenting. But that doesn't account for a ton. And and again, some of it is just it's just culture. You know, we're just you're in a if you're in a more narcissistic culture, you're going to act differently. In more narcissistic time period, you're going to act differently than if they took you in a you know in a in a, some sort of machine and had you, okay, now you're in Japan or okay, now you're in America in the, in the fifties. I mean, it's just going to manifest itself differently. Yeah. That's one of the things I was wondering as I was kind of thinking through this was, is it our fault? And by our, I just mean really society, I guess that we're narcissists in the sense that we have to be due to the judgments that are passed down, the lack of real communication or connection, social media. Is it not that we are narcissists? It's just that we have to be. I think there's a little bit of both, but I do think in terms of cultural change, what you're seeing is you're seeing an entire culture changing and traits that are more narcissistic are being pulled for by the culture. Mm. I mean, you're, you're, you're saying, well, if it's a culture where you need to self-promote, like we've been saying this, you got a podcast. No, mm -hmm. no, you're not, you don't go on, you know, the CBS nightly news mm -hmm. where you don't have to self-promote at all. You just get on there. Nowadays you have to go promote yourself and that's going to take some, it's going to take some grandiosity to do it. it. Even it might be uncomfortable for you. It might be, you're not that kind of person, but you know, you're like, dude, you have to self-promote. That's the way the world is. It's a it's a world that that really demands that from us, even if it's not natural. But if it fits us, we're going to get rewarded for it more than we would have in a, you know, in 1950s America where people said, you know, don't talk about yourself so much. You know, they told kids to, you know, be seen but not heard. I mean, it's a it's just a different culture that's going to 
sort of pull for these things or make these things work. Yeah. Do you think actually, because I want to talk about this, the generational aspect of this and given I don't know what it was like, right? We always hear about, oh, the good old days when people, you know, didn't feel better than the other person and we were kind to our neighbors and all of that, right? Um, yeah. Is there truth behind it? And is that a better way to be? Was there more, <laughs> was there a benefit, I guess, to the idea of community and you're not better than other people? And was that reality too? Well, I, I mean, it's, I think it's pretty easy to say the good old days. And I think some things have gotten better and some things have gotten worse. And so I don't, I don't, I just generally don't like that, that sort of way of thinking. Um, But, but personally, I, I mean, you can go to Australia now where they still talk about the tall poppy syndrome, where the idea is, you know, you don't stick your head up above other people too much. And what you'll hear is that it's in a lot of ways, it's very comfortable to be there because people are nice. There's not as much of a status hierarchy. Um, you fit in and, but people also complain there's not enough ambition that the trade-off is what you're losing is sort of ambition and, and sort of creativity and people willing to push themselves to be better than everybody else. If you go to Asia where there's more, more collectivistic cultures, um, you have a lot of social harmony in place, especially Japan. People get along. There's rules to follow. But what they're worried about is they don't have the creativity. So they're saying, well, maybe we need some more individualism because we need that for people to go build some, you know, build something that no one's seen before. So I think it's um, it's a trade off very much. And I, you know, I, I see narcissism as a way as sort of the dark side of individualism. Mm individualism is something that we've had in America for a long time. I think it's led to a lot of really great things. Um, narcissism is almost like individualism without the responsibility piece. Like, look how great I am, pay attention to me, and I don't want any negative consequences for the people I hurt on the way. So I think that there's that, that is one of the trade-offs. And you can have an individualistic society with a lot of these benefits without the sort of rabid self-promotion. Right. And now a quick word from this week's sponsor. This week's episode is brought to you by FreshBooks. Are you racing against the clock to wrap up projects, prepping for meetings later in the afternoon, all while trying to tackle a mountain of paperwork? Welcome to Life as a Freelancer. FreshBooks is excited to announce the launch of an all-new version of their cloud accounting software to help the self-employed. It's redesigned from the ground up and custom built for the way you work. Get ready for the simplest way to be more productive, organized, and get paid quickly. With FreshBooks, you can create and send professional-looking invoices in less than 30 seconds. Set up online payments with just a couple of clicks and get paid up to four times faster. And see when your client has seen your invoice and put an end to guessing games. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial at freshbooks.com slash SP and enter Smart People Podcast in the How Did You Hear About Us section. That's freshbooks.com slash SPP and enter Smart People Podcast. Now back to the episode. Right. And that's that's what I was just thinking of is there... As you mentioned that continuum, there is the middle ground that we can utilize. Your research shows that narcissism as a character trait or just somebody who is a narcissist um, tends to lead to less happiness, less fulfillment, perhaps. Yeah. And it's but it's even that's I mean, we're sort of still teasing this apart. So it's 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 complicated because what seems to be self-esteem sort of I'm a decent person, I'm a person of worth, having that basic sense of worth and value that seems to be associated with positive outcomes, lower depression, uh, I mean, mental health outcomes, a feeling of contentment, a feeling of happiness. Narcissism, to the extent it works, to the extent that your narcissism gives you self-esteem, you know, like I'm killing it, you get that happiness that comes with it. When you don't get that self-esteem is where you, when you don't get that self-esteem is when you find problems. 
So being sort of narcissistic, but not getting the positive feedback, not getting the accolades you think you deserve. And I think that, so, so that makes it sort of complicated that narcissism can make you happy, but it's, you know, but you need the self-esteem piece to, to get that happiness. And the other thing with narcissism is that it's a lot of fricking work, <laughs> you know, cause you gotta, you know, you've got to get attention all the time. And if you don't get it, you've got to go out there and find it. And letting go of some of that is, you know, getting some getting satisfaction from, look, I've got a good family. I've got good friends. I'm what I do is sort of meaningful. That's that's a lot easier to maintain than saying I'm better than everybody else. I mean, because with narcissism, you're fighting against age. You know, we're always get slower. We always get less attractive. We get weaker. You're fighting against that. You're fighting against the odds of constantly having to promote. It's just a it's a riskier strategy and it's a stressful strategy. Has your research on narcissism and your career studying it helped you move more towards that Buddhist philosophy and away from the anxieties that come with trying to be so great <laughs> and perceived as great? That's a question I've never had before. Um, personally, it just in terms of my own life, studying narcissism and studying self-enhancement processes makes me a little bit more sort of wary of my own. Like I, you know, when I see myself doing stuff, I'm like, dude, come on. You know, <laughs> so it's, it's harder. It's harder for me to get away with it. I want to self-promote, but it makes it a little harder. Mm -hmm. And I think it's forced me to take a little big, bigger look at things. Um, but the other thing I, I think that it gets complicated is that, you know, you can be, you can be sort of hung up on yourself in two directions. Narcissism is one self-promoting self, everything else. The other, the other way is what you see with more depression and vulnerable narcissism and anxiety where people are super self-focused, but it's a lot more about, you know, I'm a loser I'm, I'm, I'm no one, I don't have enough in my life. I'm empty, um, which is another form of self-focus. And I think, you know, breaking away from that whole thing is really useful if you can do it. Right. Um, sort of detaching from the self at sort of that bigger level. Um, not just saying, look, I'm going to be less narcissistic. I mean, that can help. I, I'm not saying you shouldn't do it, um, or at least be strategic in your narcissism. But there's a lot of ways to be hung up with the self, and narcissism is just one of them. I don't know if that made any sense or not. No, it did. It did. Because, for example, I, I always go back to in these in these kind of discussions or in thinking about this, I was kind of raised to have self-confidence, but with a logical base. And so mm -hmm. the, the way I have always thought about things, the paradigm I've uncovered recently is I think about it in the sense of, look, there's however many billions of people on this planet, it's impossible that all of us are special. It's just impossible. And like, it's even getting <laughs> yes. to the point where it's not everyone or the vast majority of people don't need to be heard, don't have anything great to say, don't need to write a book, don't need to start a blog, don't need to do this, right? But that mentality doesn't really serve you. And I say that speaking from experience, right? John and I with this podcast, started it assuming no one was going to listen, no one was going to care, and that was okay. And then we never promoted it. We never really did anything that we saw other podcasts doing. They got more listens. They got more downloads and all that. And sometimes I wish, well, we should have, right? And, yeah. and, and I think it takes that narcissism. You have to, in order to create anything, you have to yeah. be willing to say the world needs this. And in yeah. my opinion, to think the world of 7 billion people or whatever it is needs your information <laughs> is the epitome of narcissism. Yeah. So how, how do we deal with that? <laughs> yeah, you just I, I think what you're saying is that most people vastly overestimate how much they matter. Yeah. And I think that I think that's part of the, the human condition. I mean, most people. You know, yeah, you go ask it, go take the next 30 people you say and say, rate yourself on attractiveness, you know, on a 10 point scale <laughs> and the average is going to be seven. That's just what it is. People rate themselves. You know, there's just this general bias um, for people to, to sort of think they matter. And I know what you're saying there's, you know, X many billion people. I I'm useless. And in the, the, you know, the cosmos, when they blow up, no one's going to remember me. It, none of it matters at all. 
but somehow you have to be able to, to accept that and still go for it. Right. As if it, uh, it, as if it doesn't hold both those ideas. I think Gandhi had a good quote about this, you know, it doesn't matter, but it matters that you do it. But, but it's this idea of holding both these truths, which is one is, yeah, whatever. We're in this giant, massive, uh, chaotic void. And, that's awesome enough. And the other is, you know, I'm going to try to make a difference because I think it matters and maybe it doesn't, but at least it'll be part of the conversation. Hmm. At least I'll be engaged in the, the sort of the, the human discussion. Um, and hopefully I won't be part of the echo chamber. Hopefully I can add something that's not just an echo. I can have, I can have that much value. Right. Um, yeah, I kind of think about these things too. And, and I've realized though, with a lot of it is probably just genetic. I'm just, sort of was born to be sort of ambitious and I, I, I wish I weren't, um, you wait, wait, but, you wish you weren't born to be ambitious. Let's, well, let's amb- hear that. You know, no, I mean, amb- ambition is a, it's this, you know, it's this, it's this kind of, it's a drive and it's great in a lot of ways because you end up just pushing yourself to do things and you need to do that to succeed. It's not the, you know, it's not the old days. We, you know, there's, there's a lot of stress. I mean, there's always been a lot of stress. Um, but at the same time, it can take you over, you know, that, that ambition or drive can be, I mean, the, the term Freud used was a tyrant, but you know, you have this inner tyrant that sort of drives you to do things. And, you know, sometimes you're like, God, it'd be great to just check out for a week and not think. <laughs> yes. I, I, I mean, I'm really aware of that. Oh yeah. If, and believe me, I'm not the hardest working guy in the in the world by any means. But it's that that drive drive is great for being successful, but it can take over our lives and it can damage, you know, our relationship with our family. It can damage our relationship with friends. We can start taking ourselves too seriously. I mean, these things are, you know, they're they're trade off. Well, and it's interesting to discuss it under the umbrella of narcissism because. I sure hear that word and think of it as just something that's nasty, right? It's everything that's wrong with the world. It's yeah. why our politics and politicians are unable to move things and yeah. why we don't talk to neighbors anymore, right? And I think there's some truth there, but what is your stance on what we should do about our understanding of narcissism, the growth of it perhaps today or in, in these generations and its impact? What, what do we do? Well, I think, you know, when you start, I mean, I tend to look at a lot and I don't want to go into politics or anything, but when I look at a lot of systems, uh, you know, you see a lot of systems designed so, so a few people can exploit a lot. Um, and, and that sort of overtakes performance. So you see in corporations, people in leadership will manipulate, <clears throat> manipulate the financial statements so they can get a huge stock bonus, but it ends up hurting everybody who works there in the long term. And, you know, you see it in political leadership, of course, you see it in a lot of places. So, yeah, I, I, I would like systems that didn't reward it quite as much. And if you need for a system to deal well with narcissism, you need to fail. Meaning you say, hey, great, you go out there and do whatever you want, take the risks. But if you fail, you fail. When you have a system in place where failure's off the table, Meaning you go out there, take all the risks, and if you fail, we'll bail you out. Mm. That's where you end up with this rampant narcissism, or else it should come in waves where people go and get into stuff, and then it sort of collapses in on itself, and then you get more. But when you have a system that that sort of doesn't allow for failure, narcissism is going to do much better than it should. And obviously, you know, we've seen this in the in the country um, with the economic collapse, but you see it in any system where there's no downside risk, you know, investing with other people's money, uh, um, I don't know, dating without any, you know, starting relationships or having kids out of wedlock with any downside we- risk, all these things where you take out the downside, you're going to get far more narcissism than I think is healthy for a system and the systems will collapse. Do you think that's what is happening? You think we're moving towards that? I mean, because let's be honest and frank, I don't think there's many people that would disagree. You know, Trump definitely, if not a narcissist, has narcissistic tendencies. Um, a lot of our politicians and even I would say a lot of our business leaders. I mean, that's how they get there. 
So yes, does that? I mean, are we setting ourselves up for failure um, with a system that bails them out, and then if they succeed, pays them exponentially? Absolutely. I mean, I think it's. I mean, I think this is. You know, when you look at narcissism and in. in uh, sort of over time or in culture, what, what should happen theoretically is that narcissism should rise when, when things are good, people kind of get full of themselves and start believing that they're doing it. And then things should collapse and the system should reset where sort of people become a little more humble, realize how important it is to have close relationships because they're the people who bail you out when things go wrong. Um, and you should see a reset. And in terms of narcissism in young people, what we're starting to see, and I, I mean, I don't want to talk about this too much because the data are sort of not quite published, but we have some data that show this as well that are published, that narcissism seems to be dropping with young people. And be, starting with the collapse where people going to school now are like, you know, I'm just going to be lucky to get a job. People are starting to major in things that, you know, I'm going to major in engineering because I can get a job. People are becoming a lot more practical in their focus on things. Uh, what you never saw in this country after the collapse was that people who generated a lot of wealth from that collapse, you didn't see them hurting. They got bailed out. Um, and I think that's a problem because as a system of risk and self-promoting risk, if you, if you bail it out, it's just going to get worse until it has the whole thing has to be bailed out. And then it gets, you know, it gets incrementally harder. Sort of like a, you know, it's just a system like uh, I was in Yellowstone recently in Yellowstone Park. They they would shut down every fire. I don't know if you remember this. Maybe this is for older people, but they mm -hmm. used to have a system of, you know, instead of letting the fires burn, they'd put the fires out. And they did this successfully for decades. But then, of course, there was way too much wood, way too much tinder in the system, and they got a fire, and it got out of control, mm. and and wiped things out. And so, you you know, for systems to work with narcissism, um, or sort of any sort of risk, you need them to, you need consequences to happen at regular intervals, or else, the, you know, the collapse is going to be huge. It's much better to have small collapses and small setbacks in life than one huge one. I, I just started as you were talking about that, because I, I think in terms of evolution and I'm like, why would yeah. this serve us? But I could just imagine, right, the group, the, the, the tribe or whatever, and they've got a couple of narcissists which are needed and they yeah. go out and they hunt the lion and they kill him and everybody's like, oh, my gosh, and they're making progress. And then a few of them get eaten and people are like, whoa, whoa, let's yeah. pull back a little, <laughs> you know, have you ever looked at that? I'm sure you have thought about that. Yeah, well, it's it's. um. You know, it's funny, you're like you're the expert like I am, but but like in any sort of science, you're you know, we're always trying to figure out what we don't know. Right. So it always feels like, oh my God, I wish I knew more about this. If you look at hunter-gatherer tribes, there's stories of narcissistic members. And what will happen, you know, they'll have a guy that says, you know, he starts sleeping with other people's wives, or he takes too much food from from a hunt, or he becomes selfish, and they'll eliminate them. They'll take them out on a nice flow and just let them go. Or there'll be a hunting accident, you know, where three of the other guys will gang up and just take them out. So these, you know, so the narcissism was sort of controlled in smaller groups because you, you can't have it too much. Um, but if things become chaotic and unstable, you know, or you need somebody to, to go kill the giant lion or whatever, narcissism matters. So it, it's even in these small groups, narcissism was a trade-off, but it obviously mattered enough that we passed it on. Hunter-gatherers, we have that control. In, in a modern society, we don't. People can amass a uh, tremendous amount of wealth and protect themselves from downside risk. You know, And the downside risk in a modern society isn't a hunting accident where your buddies shoot you in the back with a poison arrow. It's you know, legal risks or financial risks you end up throwing in jail. And people can kind of rise above that to some extent. And that's where you you see the narcissism getting a little out of control. And by the way, I don't mean to sound like a hippie here at all. I mean, hey, you know, I'm just, I'm just sort of thinking, I'm just sort of <laughs> thinking, you know, trying to think of these things as, as systems. Right. Um, and you need you need control for out of control narcissism, because what happens is when they get I mean, look at these, 
you know, strongmen leaders throughout the world. They they end up amassing tremendous wealth and power, and there's nothing to nothing to hold them in check. Right. All right, Keith. I'm going to ask you a tough question here because you are the expert, right? And at least as far as as we know, have researched it more than most. Okay. Say I am an entrepreneur, an artist, a creator. A, a lot of these things, people that listen to the show are right. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you feel like you're a good person, right? You're not a narcissist. You don't think you're the best thing since sliced bread, but you want to be more successful. You want to market yourself. You want to believe it. You want to be willing to go stand in front of people and say, Hey, look at how great my product or service is. How do we do it? How do we do it right? Yeah, there's a, there's a a bunch in that question. I'll uh, try to piece it out a little bit. What you see with entrepreneurship and creativity is that narcissism seems to help to some extent. Um, they've done some great studies on creativity, especially with things that are very hard, you know, modern art, things that it's very social, if this is good or bad. People who are narcissistic might not be more creative, but they're better at convincing people they're creative. You know what I mean? They can, they can make a better sales case for themselves. So narcissism does seem to help as a trait in those areas. What I would tell people, and you know, I, I understand everybody's struggling with this, is you have to have narcissism as a tool in your toolbox. But narcissism can be thought of as having two pieces. One piece is this sort of grandiose, extroverted, maybe self-promotional piece. And the other piece has to do with callous or manipulative um, treatment of others in a sense of entitlement, meaning a sense of deservingness. I think what what people need to do is say, look, that's narcissism. The piece I need is that self-promotion, surgency, extroversion piece. I need that to survive. What I'm not going to do is I'm not going to be entitled. I'm not going to manipulate people. I'm going to be honest because even though I know that might hurt me in the short run, I might not get one deal because I told them the truth. Um, I might, might not get as much credit for this, this thing because I shared credit with my friends or my buddy or my coworker over time in the longer term, I'm going to have a reputation as a moral person who is an easy person to work with because he's not a freaking diva. Uh-huh. And over time, that's going to benefit me more than exploiting people in the short term. But either case, I'm going to have to go out there and sell myself whether I want to or not. It's a world meant for narcissists. No, I'm just kidding. No, that's a, I think that's a, it's a great way to look at it. And, I, and that helps, right? Because I think at its core, you're saying we need to draw the line between self-promotion that's necessary if you would like yeah. to or, uh, and narcissism, which is clearly that yes. other side of the spectrum. Right. And I think a lot of that is that interpersonal part. Mm. Um, the other thing I, I do sometimes, I mean, this is just personally because I'm, you know, I'm not that narcissistic and you kind of <laughs> need to self promote. I mean, I'm not. People are like, yeah, right, dude. You know, <laughs> you know, research is me search. But, um, you know, part of what I do when it when it when it comes to these sort of, you know, self promotion things is I do a lot of stuff just based on curiosity or just willingness to try things. So I just don't look at things like, so like, you're like, Hey, be on this podcast. I'm like, this is cool. I'm not selling anything. I mean, I have a book. It's too old. I mean, I don't plan to make a cent off this. I just think it's cool to talk to people about ideas. Mm -hmm. Maybe this will pay off. Maybe somebody listening to the show would be like, call me for some big business gig because they want to make a, you know, a drug that reduces ego or something who knows (laughs) but i mean i do a lot of stuff just because it's fun Mm. and and that that and if you frame things as fun or passion-based it's not really self-promotion as much as it's like hey this is great i got to talk to somebody cool it was got to engage with an audience and i think that way of framing things is actually really useful at least it has been for me you know i'm willing to do anything i i just try it yeah i love that I like that idea of how you frame it, because I think there's so much to that. And I think that's a good place to leave it. And Keith, again, I really appreciate you coming on. I appreciate, like you said, not really hawking anything, but just sharing your knowledge and wisdom. And I I think it's fantastic and really beneficial for us to learn about these things. Again, your most recent book is 
Um, the narcissism epidemic, living in the age of entitlement, which talks much more in depth about what we've been discussing today. I wanted to leave you with, you know, is there anywhere are you currently writing? Are there places people can kind of keep up with the newest research that you're doing, learning more about narcissism? Huh. I, I mean, I, I try to post everything I can. I mean, I, on ResearchGate, which is academic, I post stuff on Twitter occasionally at W. Keith Campbell. Okay. Um, sometimes write stuff for Medium or Quillet. So I, I, I try to probably Twitter W. Keith Campbell is the where I put things out. I'm not a very good self promoter. <laughs> somebody, somebody asked me, they're like, well, how big's your audience? And I said, what do you mean? Yeah. I don't have an audience. I just talk to people. And she was like, you've got to get an audience. Right. Well, like so you said, I've, the benefit of being a tenured professor, it's like, I mean, or I could get an audience or I could just do what I'm doing and enjoy it. <laughs> right. So, I mean, I, I, I wish I did, but I, I try to put stuff, stuff on, on Twitter as much as it drives me crazy. It's kind of fun. That's about it. All right. Well, we will link to that W. Keith Campbell on Twitter. Keith, again, thanks so much for your time. It's been a blast. Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. Have a good rest of your day. You too. All right. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that episode with W. Keith Campbell. His book, The Narcissism Epidemic, Living in the Age of Entitlement, can be found at your local bookstore and on Amazon. And as always, if you decide to purchase through Amazon, please use the Smart People Podcast Amazon link located at smartpeoplepodcast.com slash Amazon. Any purchase you make through that link comes at no extra cost to you, but it greatly helps out the show. If you're looking for other free and easy ways to support the show, please head over to iTunes or Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review over there. If you'd like to reach out to the show, you can email us at smartpeoplepodcast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at smartpeoplepod. All right, that's it for us this week. Make sure you head over to smartpeoplepodcast.com, check out the website, old episodes, sign up for the newsletter, all of that great stuff. We'll make sure to keep you plugged in. We've got some great interviews coming up and we will see you all next episode.